What if I told you that you could help solve the hospitality recruitment crisis with just £10? You'd say, shut up, take my money, wouldn't you? Well, that's exactly what a new initiative called Hospitality Rising is going to do. Between now and May the 12th, we are raising £5 million to fund the biggest hospitality recruitment advertising campaign that the UK and beyond has ever seen. We want to double the amount of people who would consider working in hospitality. Think army, be the best, but for hospitality. All we need from you is £10 per employee that you have in your business and together we can stop this recruitment crisis forever. Go to hospitalityrising.org now to find out how you can help today and don't forget to tell your HR team and your CEO. Supersonic! 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 Supersonic. Supersonic. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The rocket fuel podcast for food, drink and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up, tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. Hi, are you still using a trunk system to manage your tips? Well, if you are, you're working way, way, way too hard. Tipjar is HMRC cleared and uses tech to enable your customers to tip your staff directly. Find out more at wearetipjar.com. Join the tipping revolution. A creative agency for the hospitality sector, Saved by Robots create compelling brands and memorable experiences through great design and engaging storytelling. From Scottish Restaurant of the Year Sugarboat to Tip Jar, the digital tipping platform that's taken over the world, Saved by Robots excel at bringing ideas to life. As well as developing new concepts and refreshing existing brands, the robots provide outsourced graphic design to help multi-site operators grow with confidence. Check out their work and get in touch at savedbyrobots.com. So today's show is dedicated to a great friend, Annika Wainwright of Two Forks. Every time I'm with Annika, something magical seems to happen. Whether that's something to do with a newsletter that she's writing for a client, a new idea to make my brand DNAs even better... But this time, it was to introduce me to someone whose head is so far into the future that it made my mind explode. Annika introduced me to Nicole Metzasalma, and Nicole actually works for Batten Hall, who are social media and digital legends. Through a chat we were having where Nicole was going to help us for free on Hospitality Rising on the social media side of things, she suggested that we actually do a podcast about the metaverse. But as Annika always does, she goes one, two, three, four, five better. And she says, hey, why don't you do a podcast in the metaverse? So we're all blown away and we thought it was the greatest idea. I ordered an Oculus headset on the Friday. We recorded it on Valentine's Day and it's coming to you now. Just a little warning that it might not mean much to you in terms of the metaverse because you're listening to this in audio, but I'll do my best to get a video version put up and I will put the link in the show notes so you can see what the heck is going on. So it gives me the most metaverse mind-bending pleasure ever to introduce my next guest today who has become a new friend of me and new friend of the show. And it is the incredible Nicole Metzasalma. Need to do it like this. Metzasalma. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> and uh, from Batten Hall, and she's a senior consultant there. So, hello. Hello. How are you, Mark? I'm really good. Well, I can't believe it's Valentine's Day and you've taken your day off to come and meet me in this uh, very Swiss looking metaverse. Yes. <laughs> but thank uh, you. Welcome to the Batten Hall virtual office, I should say. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and is it sort of like Swiss, Austrian, Yeah, Scandi? so the way it works is um, we are in Horizon Workrooms, which is uh, Meta's version of virtual offices. And we have created this little space uh, for us internally to have meetings, but uh, there are a few presets. So you can have either kind of more idyllic backgrounds, which is kind of this lakeside Swiss 
style office. Um, mm. And you also have a more futuristic, big city, uh, cityscape sort of thing as well that you can choose from. Uh, but we prefer the more idyllic one. Since we're, we're based in London, which is a big city, so I guess we, we pine a little bit for the countryside. So Pine for the pine? Yeah, there's pine yeah, trees exactly. everywhere. So exactly. very nice. Very <laughs> nice. So we have just became recently acquainted. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, what's been so interesting about that is um, how quick this has all happened. So I think we met on Friday and you were very yeah. kindly going to step in and help with Hospitality Rising, which is amazing, um, on all things social. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, I've ordered a headset. You said you'd be up for doing a podcast. And then Annika brilliantly mentioned, why don't we do it in, in the metaverse? You know, Annika from Two Forks. So it's all happened pretty quick. But what happened was on Saturday, I was at the cinema with my daughter. And um, obviously, Sod's Law would have it the parcel with the Oculus in it was going to arrive when I'm in the cinema. <laughs> so I saw the call from the driver and then I sort of um, made a little dash outside, um, you know, to go and get it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I never looked back. It's just, it feels like a, a life-changing moment. So what what has it felt like for you, you know, since you've since you've had this, you know, sort of un- unpack that for us because you've had it a little bit longer than me. Yeah, so um, just for a bit of background, uh, we at Battenhall, uh, we are a communications agency with a big focus on social media. And one of the things we have been exploring for the last probably six months or so is what will uh, the metaverse uh, impact be on communications and social media more generally. Um, So as part of that, we set up an internal task force and uh, again, as part of that, we uh, ordered uh, to for a few members of the team uh, the Oculus headset, now called Meta, because Meta mm. has rebranded everything. Um, and we have been exploring uh, what the metaverse will look like uh, and what the opportunities may be for our clients, for just the future of social media generally, uh, what will the challenges be, the risks, the threats, all of the things that um, come with it, essentially. So, mm. and that's the background for it. So for the last month or so, we've been having uh, weekly meetings in this room uh, that mm. you're in now. Um and talking about uh, projects and, and work streams internally. So everything from setting up an internal glossary of terms that we can share with clients, all the way to doing presentations about uh, the metaverse, cryptocurrency, NFTs, all of these things, because they're all linked. Yeah. Um, and um, and just, you know seeing how we can essentially help uh, our existing clients, but also uh, potential clients uh, explore this new, uh, brave new world, essentially. Mm. So let's dive into all what you're saying, you know, just in a little bit. But in terms of a 101, you know, what happens, mm-hmm. like, you know, when you get the headset and what you find and, you know, and a discovery for someone who's thinking about getting, you know, the headset, getting involved in it. You know what is it? Your what is it? You know you'd you'd say was a kind of step by step one hundred and one as you're you're getting these things. So there are a few different headsets available, but the probably the most uh, common one at the moment is the Oculus Quest Two, which is mm-hmm. at least the one I have and probably the one you have as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is uh, Meta's, formerly known as Facebook's um, uh, headset. And Meta has uh, created three essentially uh, parts of the metaverse within their proposition. So the first one is the one we're using, which is Horizon Workrooms. Mm -hmm. So these are these little offices and workspaces that companies can use for internal meetings or for external meetings. Obviously, you're not you don't work with me, so but you're still invited to come over Mm -hmm. and uh, collaborate and chat with us. Uh, the second one is Horizon Venues, and this is for events or for uh, exhibitions and also uh, just general exploration. So, for example, last night, um, 
there was a Foo Fighters concert. I saw. In Horizon yeah. venues, yeah. Uh, it was plagued with a, a few technical issues by the sound of things. But, okay. um, but you have these options of hosting events like concerts or plays or uh, exhibitions or anything like that in Horizon venues. Mm. And then the third one, which isn't available in the UK yet, but is available in North America, is called Horizon Worlds. And that mm. is what you would think of the metaverse. It's something... Uh, like a, a persistent world that you can just go in and explore and walk around and meet people and chat and, and do all you can build things um, so that's kind of like their version of what already exists in other places like Decentraland um, yeah. Sandbox etc so that's the, the, the wider uh, proposition so mm. if you buy one of these headsets um, you set it up uh, you normally will connect it to your Facebook account for ID purposes but you don't have to but mm. it probably helps you can set up a new account as well um, and then when you start exploring you see that there are a number of apps that you can download uh, and install and these vary from games as you would expect mm -hmm. uh, because games are a big part of the metaverse uh, but also uh, Functional, functional apps um, and educational apps. So you can do, for example, a tour of the pyramids of Egypt, uh, mm. a virtual tour. So you can go in and explore, which is really cool. Um, you can also download productivity apps, like uh, things you would have normally on your desktop anyway, like let's say Miro, uh, mm -hmm. which is like a whiteboard app. You can do that, the same thing in the metaverse. Um, so yeah, so that's essentially it. And once you, you get it, it takes some getting used to, and you mm. probably won't be able to spend like three hours using the headset to start with, because it can be a bit disorientating when you first put yeah. it on. You probably noticed that. Um, yes, I had, sure. I had a few colleagues actually that had, uh, episodes of motion sickness and yeah. being a bit, you know, woozy, um, yeah. after using it at first, but the more you use it, the more you get used to it. And then it becomes less of, of an issue. Um, it reminded yeah. me so much of, um, thanks for explaining that as well. It was really well put. I think, um, when I started type, came off the Blackberry and started typing with the iPhone, yeah. it felt like that sort of moment, you know, where it did take like quite a bit of getting used to, to, to yeah. be able to kind of hit the right buttons at the right time and things like that. And obviously you were improving and then they were improving, you yeah. know, as, as, as time went on. But, um, you know, what I've found so far and it's been, been really fun. And, and when you say about the motion sickness, I'm going to New York in, in May, I'm like planning a trip for a client. So I thought I'll have a look at one of the New York tours. Yep. Oh, so what happened was I went into it and it was almost as if you were floating 10 feet above a rooftop bar. And then obviously there was the vertigo of everything else. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to shut it down. I had to commit. Like, I almost thought I was going to throw up. Like I just yeah. was like, you know, real vertigo. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can say to yourself, it's just a headset, but it was so real. It was yeah. like, oh my goodness. Yeah, because um, your brain your brain doesn't see it as a headset. Your brain no you know, immerses you in the experience yeah. and you do feel as if you are um, getting that, you know, the same vertigo that you would if you were there in person. Um, yeah. So the brain plays pranks in our minds uh, <laughs> quite often. So um, it's, it's an absolute thing that does happen. So, um, and the other thing of course, is to remember all of the apps uh, in this horizon world uh, are in beta still. So mm. there is a lot of glitchiness and there are things that, you know, stop working or you need yeah. to reset and redo. So there is a little bit of, of adjusting that you need to do. You need to have a bit of patience. We're yeah. not quite there yet. And obviously um, there are other companies that are uh, big in the tech world that are working on their own VR headsets. Mm. Microsoft have announced that they're working on theirs. Apple, of course, uh, are also doing work in this space. So there will be a lot more uh, happening uh, from the tech side uh, yeah. in in this, uh, this space. But obviously, a lot of brands have been exploring it already. Um, mm -hmm. And that's the bit that we're interested in. Like, what are the possibilities? What are people using it for? And how you can elevate the experience really, um, mm. and and make it something exciting and really immersive that isn't just a gimmick, right? Because yeah. it can feel a bit like that. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, just kind of finishing off the, the setup stuff. You know, I think 
it's really good just to get onto YouTube. There's some amazing tips and tricks videos where you, you know, there's people hacking all over the place because they're saying, yeah. well, if you can't be linked to a plug, for example, because it's only got about two hours life on it, yeah. which is actually at this stage a very good amount of time, like two hours mm-hmm. is way too much as it is. Um, then the good thing is that uh, this chap was talking about strapping a battery, you know, the mobile chargers, like a really yep. slim one to the Velcro to keep charging as you're playing. I just thought, so you're starting to see like people are hacking hacking their way around it, you know, which absolutely. is absolutely fantastic. You know, it's really exciting to look at. Yeah, so, you expect it. With anything tech, there will be people who will, you know, try to break it in order to figure yeah. out how to improve it. Uh, yeah. And that's super exciting. Yeah. So just in terms of the possibilities then, so what are you seeing in all of the dimensions that you, you talked about? Um, you know, so, um, just funny there though, like you've, you've just adjusted a couple of things and like your, your hand went through your glasses. I know. It's really <laughs> weird because I'm not even anywhere close to my remote. So I don't know why, um, why I did but that. But I think, well, were you not saying, um, when someone fiddles with their headset, they look as yeah. if they've like went, they've run their trance, like their, yeah. their head yeah. goes up? I didn't though. I didn't even read my hand. That's why I thought it was weird because I did see the arm go up. Um, ah. so yeah, I, as I said, glitchy. Um, yeah. So there's a lot happening that's quite interesting uh, mm. and a lot that feels like people are just jumping on the bandwagon because, of course, it's the buzzword and they're excited about it. Mm. Um, so as I mentioned before, uh, the metaverse is uh, includes a lot of different things, right? So you have... Um, crypto NFTs, you have these uh, persistent worlds like the Central Land and, and Sandbox and Horizon Worlds and Horizon mm-hmm. Venues and things like that. So there's a lot of things, different things that brands have been doing. Um, widely, I think the sector that probably jumped on it the earliest and has been doing the most in it is actually fashion. The fashion industry has been really active and exciting, doing a lot of exciting stuff. Uh, yeah. within the, the Web3 metaverse world. Uh, so anything from, obviously, partnering with games companies to offer skins and outfits within games, that's, mm-hmm. that has been happening for a long time, uh, but that is part of the same world that we're talking about. Um, all the way to uh, next month, there's going to be a virtual fashion show. Uh, yeah. yeah, Completely hosted in the meta- metaverse. So... Uh, so there's a lot of stuff happening in in the fashion world. Nike earlier uh, this year, or at the end of last year, acquired um, an agency called Artifact, and mm. they specialize in creating uh, virtual 3D assets. Mm. So they used to produce like little amazing, cool 3D virtual trainers. So Nike just essentially bought them in order to make that for them and to have mm. obviously some. Um, attribution over all of that i saw there was a dispute with um StockX because they're launching you know like unofficial nft uh, for their their thing the vault but i thought it was a coming from a good place though which was you'll virtually trade trainers they'll keep them yeah so it's like good for the planet in that way that, you know, you're not getting them shipped and then you're shipping them once you've sold them. And yeah. it's, you know, if you've got a lack of storage. And so I thought it was a very clever idea. Absolutely. And there are other industries doing that as well. So, for example, um, last year, uh, Glenfiddich, uh, the, the Scotch whiskey brand, mm. they started playing a bit with NFTs. And the first one they launched was, I believe, a 46-year-old whiskey. Uh, and they launched it as an NFT. So there were 15 of them. It was a limited edition of 15 mm. bottles. Each of them was sold as an NFT. Uh, and they did in partnership with a company in Singapore called Blockbar. And mm. what they do is they host, they, they have the bottles in storage in a you know beautiful facility that's secure in Singapore. And when you buy the NFT for that bottle, you have two options. You can just keep it as the NFT and then you can sell it on as the NFT or you can you know, save it and not do anything with it. Mm-hmm. But if you decide that you want to actually get that bottle of whiskey, you then burn the NFT. So you hand it back to them. Yeah. They're going to destroy that NFT because it won't be needed anymore and ship that bottle to you. But as you said, the advantage 
from an environmental perspective or storage perspective is you don't have to keep that bottle. If you're a collector or if you're an investor, it makes sense to buy the NFT and just have that because that's proof of ownership that that bottle mm. is yours. You can sell that on later than, you know, in 10 years time, once that bottle has, uh, you know, increased in value um, and you never have to touch that bottle or ship it or worry about where mm. it is and how to send it around the world. It will just be sitting in that facility waiting for you to decide what you want to do with it. Yeah. Um, so um, since then, Hennessy have done similar things as well with Cognac. So there's a, a lot of interesting stuff happening there from a, yeah. a, a you know luxury drinks perspective. So I expect to see more of that for sure. You can see, you can imagine it, you know, wine as well. And, you know, Absolutely. and things like that would just be so there are Yeah, there are some yeah. wine companies doing it already as well. Yeah, that would be so big for them. And then, you know, what else are you finding then across, you know, the, the other sectors outside of hospitality? Because I feel like hospitality isn't really in the game yet at all. You know, the two or three things maybe going on. Yeah, um, I think Marriott, uh, the Marriott Hotel Group have been playing with um, things in this space as well. Mm. They have an interest and they have been doing some interviews and, and talking about the opportunities out there. I think uh, what is interesting for the, the wider hospitality and travel and leisure industries are things like NFTs where you can, for example, have, um, and just going a bit into more detail about what an NFT is, because I think mm. there's a lot of, um, a lot of, I think uh, the, the media doesn't do a very good job of explaining what NFTs mm. are. Uh, they talk a lot about the, how bad for the environment they are, but not about anything else. Mm -hmm. So, um, an NFT is a non-fungible token. Fungible essentially means that it's unique. Well, non-fungible means it's unique. Fungible means you can swap it for something else that's similar. So a five-pound note is fungible because you can swap it for another five-pound note. It's worth exactly the same. It's the same thing. Mm. So a non-fungible token cannot be swapped by anything else because it's unique. Um, and what uh, NFTs allow you to do is essentially because they're unique and because they are verified through the blockchain, uh, they are almost impossible to uh, counterfeit or mm. to uh, replicate, which means they are very secure, very safe, and they're very good as uh, a proof of uh, either ownership or mm. ID. Um, so the companies that have been doing interesting things with it, they have been using it, for example, for event ticketing. Mm. Uh, because they are uh, almost impossible to fake, if you have uh, one of those, you essentially can uh, almost essentially end touting because mm -hmm. there's no way that someone who isn't the actual owner of that NFT can do anything with it. It's mm -hmm. not like a QR code that you can essentially copy and mm -hmm. do something similar with. So, uh, so that's interesting. The other thing is, of course, the similar thing for flights. You can do yeah. exactly the same with the flight. But going even a bit beyond that, you can do the same for ID documents. So you could have your passport or your ID document as, as, as an NFT. Mm. Uh, and that could be your proof of ID for anything throughout, you know, any process of yeah. travel or identity or anything like that. So those are cool, um, you know, future uses. The ticketing thing is already happening. So that's mm -hmm. a, a, a use case that is already available. But the passport ID thing is more of a of a future thing. Yeah. So that might happen in, I don't know how long, but could happen in the hopefully near future, but yeah. definitely in five to 10 years time. Yeah. So I guess, you know, just so if we break it down, just so we are being clear for people. So there's... The virtual reality, which is, you know, the headset, the world we're in. Yeah. The metaverse is one planet, I suppose, because I guess face meta are owning that, but there are rival worlds yes. that you can go and visit. So, yeah. so, so the metaverse would be, um, or the metaverses, I guess, if you're using plural, each metaverse would be a virtual world uh, that is persistent. So it's kind of like 24 seven. Uh, mm. that you can go into and come out of at any point. Uh, that would be kind of the definition of a metaverse-ish. Uh, Very simple. Yes, yeah, so they're kind of like, 
Saturn, Jupiter, Earth. Exactly. You know, they're all, they're so, all their own exactly. sort of planets, I suppose. And the exciting thing is, of course, at some point, at the moment, because each company is kind of creating its own thing, you have these individual metaverses that are all, all spread out and don't really talk to one another. But mm. with the blockchain, what you could do is actually having all of them talking to one another. So mm. all these metaverses would actually be part of one big virtual reality thing and you could just jump from one to the other uh and exchange things between them so if you have a, like a little game skin in one game you could jump into another one and carry the same game skin that you bought for that game into another game or another virtual world um yeah. so that is the you know possibility for the future that's what most people expect it to yeah. happen or it to evolve into in the future so all of these different worlds will communicate with each other and will be interconnected so you can jump from one to the next. We're not anywhere close to that yet, but that, that yeah. is the, the dream. Well, it's so interesting because obviously I'm sitting looking at you and I know what you really look like as well. Yeah. And it's it's like so fun that, you know, you're going to have multiple personalities potentially. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have multiple looks. You're going to, I mean, even in cartoon form is put... Yeah. Because I, I really pained over it last night, you know, like, you know, do a, do do you go for the width you really are or do you go for a six pack, you know, and things like that. So, you know, yeah. when you're sitting looking at it all and, you know, I think it is going to be fascinating the, the, the marketplaces that are going to be created in terms of sneakers, suits, jewellery, mm-hmm. you know, dyeing your hair, hair products, you know. It's just going to be unbelievable, you know. So, yeah. um, but you know, when you were choosing your avatar, did you spend a lot of time on it, or were you were you just quite quick to go? Well, that's what I look like. I found it really hard to decide what my eyes looked like. Like, I, you know, <laughs> I, you know, stuff like this. Like, I just yeah. didn't know. I suppose the first decision is: uh, Do you want to look like yourself, or do you want to look like an idealized version of mm. yourself, or do you want to look like something completely different? So I went for trying to look as closest, as close to myself as yeah. I could. Um, so, but I didn't spend. I spent maybe I don't know, like ten minutes yeah. on it. Not I didn't pine over like what what should I do. Um, yeah. So well, I was I was also thinking like there must be technology that can come in that could just scan you and then oh yeah you absolutely. know you know or it probably exists but it just it was just small things like you know personal stuff like my my eyes are hazel there was no hazel option mm. um yeah. there there was things like um gosh, what was the other thing oh yeah like i just standard always wear a black t-shirt with sort of chino type things and, and loud trainers and i would like to a little bit more customization yeah, and I'm, I'm sure that that's, that's the next step. Yeah. Uh, so as companies start getting into this marketplace, uh, and you can already do that in other worlds. Like mm. if you go into something like Roblox, which is massive, you mm. have fashion brands that sell clothes in Roblox that replicate clothes that exist in the real world. Mm. In fact, you have had companies that launched full collections in Roblox and then after that launched them in the real world so that the people who have it in Roblox could then look like their avatars and not the other way around. So <laughs> yeah. uh, you have a whole generation of people for whom yeah. this experience is what they are, they know. So if mm. you think about, you know, Gen Z and younger uh, people who spend a lot of time in these places, like Roblox has 200 million daily users, active yeah. users. Uh, most of them are between like five and 13 so you're talking about a, a load of young you know, children and teenagers that are growing up doing this. Mm. And for them, this is, this is the future. This is what they expect. Yeah. Uh, for us, it's still a bit weird because obviously we're a completely different generation and mm. we're not used to it. But for them, it's going to be the other way around. It's going to be, I want to wear what my avatar in the, real, in the virtual world wears and yeah. not what you just said. I want, you know, to be able to wear the clothes that I wear in real in the real world, yeah. in the virtual world. So, so those are all interesting conversations to to be had. Yeah, um, yeah. It was great at the weekend. Like, so I was sitting with a little one, and um, she's nine, and I had a bit of a moment with it. Was quite emotional. You know, I sat down with her, and I just said, "Look, this is your future. You know, this yeah. is, and this won't be, this won't be weird to you." Um, 
just like the iPhone's not weird. I mean, she's almost as old as the iPhone sort of idea, yeah. right? So, and you know, we had a bit of a moment. And then what was really cool was last night I phoned my dad and stepmom up in Isle of Arran in Scotland. And, uh, we, well, we did FaceTime thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was amazing seeing her trying to explain it to two 75 <laughs> year olds. Yeah. And they're, they were just like, I've got no. And I remember being a kid trying to have to explain a fax machine to my grandfather. And yeah. it just, he just didn't get it. So it's that stuff. Like it's just, it's not going to be weird to them. I mean, this is, this is no, it. it's not going to be weird at all. They no. are, they are, they take to it. I mean, they are digital natives, right? So technology mm. for them is not uh, anything to be afraid of. It's yeah. something that they dive into with glee. Yeah. They love it. Um, so it's it's a very different sort of of scenario, but um, it's still fascinating. But there are risks involved with that as well, because of course, how do you safeguard children in a virtual world? How do you uh, make sure that there isn't any content in there that could be offensive or mm. dangerous? Or how do you make sure that people like Facebook Meta just uh, launched, I think, last week mm. um, an update to prevent people from essentially getting into others' personal spaces within Horizon World, so not being able to touch your avatar, for example, yeah. uh, because that's something that you could do um, without permission. So it's we're still navigating, as in we're we're only just figuring out how to stay yeah. safe on social media, and yeah. that is 2D, uh, and we're used to it. So trying to navigate the the intricacies of staying safe in a 3D virtual world will be something that we need to definitely put some thought and effort into as well. Yeah, because it's, it's bridging the gaps, like the Venn diagram sort of thing between cyberbullying and real bullying. Like this is a, this could feel very real. Absolutely. You know, yeah. in terms of that. Um so yeah, that's quite a scary thing to sort of think about. Yeah, um, but it is something that's important to think about because mm. otherwise, if we don't think about it now before it becomes a thing, then we can't protect our children and we can't make sure mm. that the right protections are in place uh, yeah. for when this becomes the norm. And what about um, like animals and these kind? Of, you've got a dog, right? So yeah. Um, so from that point of view, it's like, can you get? That, you know, that would be kind of fun. Like my flat, for example, doesn't allow pets and, yeah. you know, you know all these kind of things. So is that a possibility? Is that happening now or are you seeing anything I don't think that? it's, it's not happening now in mm. most places. Uh, obviously not here. We can't, you know, I, do, I can't create a, an avatar of my dog uh, in, in Horizon workspace yeah. at least. But wouldn't but, that be great? Um, it would be amazing. I would love <laughs> yeah. that. But yeah. to be fair... I mean, I, I'm I'm more than happy to give him attention in the real world. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> but um, or there cheat are other... on him with another dog. You could, you yeah. know, cheat <laughs> or get a yeah, cat. No, 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 I wouldn't do that. No, obviously not. Can't do that. Um, and but there are other games uh, and things within uh, the this this space. Um, there's one called Axie Infinity, which is a bit like. Pokemon, in that uh-huh. you have all these little creatures called axes, which are your pets, so to speak. And you can train them, you can, you know, put them to fight, you can do all sorts of things. Mm. And they're essentially like trading collectibles. So you can um, build them up and essentially trade them on or sell them for actual cash. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit like Pokemon. So virtual pets in that respect kind of exist. They're not exactly like real world animals but yeah um but in places like roblox you can have like a little horse or a little dog in your uh little worlds as well so so they already exist it's just yeah. um which one you choose because i was just thinking like you know if you were the marketing director at pets at home or one of these things then you know would you not want to own that you know that would just be absolutely yeah. incredible wouldn't it and then yeah, yeah. you need to buy digital dog food and you know it's, it would be so it'd be such a big opportunity and then thinking about um so i guess the, just to uh, tidy up the you know the the glossary of terms so um we talked about metaverse obviously being sort of planets um nfts we've talked about um and then blockchain just kind of quickly mm-hmm. just so people kind of 
get their heads around that as well? So, so the blockchain is the infrastructure on which these things run. Uh, so it's the network of computers that sits behind uh, and enables things like cryptocurrency and NFTs. Mm-hmm. And the way the blockchain works uh, in very simple terms, and again, I am oversimplifying on purpose, but there are plenty of resources out there for people who want to dive deep into it. Um, it's a network of computers which uh, are all connected to each other and all hold and store a database. So whenever um, something, a new transaction happens, whether there is minting an NFT or buying cryptocurrency or selling something, whatever it is, that uh, transaction is then uh, sent to the nodes, the, the network of computers to be verified. Once all the computers in the network verify and confirm that transaction, it then becomes a block, which is added to a chain. And that is a permanent thing, and it's almost impossible to remove or break or change once it's there. So that's why it's called the blockchain. The, each block is a transaction that has been verified by all of these other computers in the network, and the chain is the collection of all of these blocks put together. Yeah. Uh, so that's essentially what it is. And then, obviously, the big thing is, you know, making sure that, you know, it's safe, it looks like it's non-hackable so far. Yeah. Um, but also don't lose your passwords or your memorable word, um, you know, things for yeah, like your, your, your digital wallet. Yeah, oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, it, can be, it can be a bit of a minefield. Uh, mm. There are actually companies now that uh, are creating technology to work like um, a two-factor authentication for mm. um, seed phrases so you don't actually lose it completely. Uh, so they hold essentially a copy of your seed phrase, but in a... Uh, encrypted way that they don't have access to but mm. if you ever need to recover it then there is a backup somewhere yeah. uh, so cool. so there are things already happening there but um, one of the big things about the blockchain is that of course uh, Bitcoin is probably the the first one the most famous one but there mm. are other blockchains you have Ethereum you have Polygon you have a number of, of them out there um, and people talk a lot about the energy usage right of mm blockchains and all of these things. So there are two main types of um, blockchains, which are proof of work and mm. proof of stake. Proof of work is the one where you mine for you know currency and that's where Bitcoin, uh, how Bitcoin started. Those are the more energy hungry types of uh, blockchains. But uh, most of the newer blockchains are actually proof of stake, which doesn't require the same level of energy. In fact, they use about 99% less energy so it's uh, not quite as bad for the environment as Mm. the bitcoin uh, blockchain so uh, most of the newer blockchains are actually uh, much more energy efficient so they're not that bad for the environment anymore Um, so so there's a lot happening there in terms of the evolution of of blockchain again it's not that new i mean the the bitcoin blockchain has been around for over 10 years so Mm. um these things have been kind of bubbling up in the background. It's just that we didn't really know much about them until maybe one or two years ago. Mm-hmm. And then thinking about hospitality then, what mm-hmm. are you seeing at Batten Hall and what are you seeing yourself, you know, just in terms of the applications, the opportunities, you know, what hospitality could do with this stuff because budgets aren't high a lot of the time. Um, also the understanding of, you know, newer technologies and things like that isn't always that high either. Um, you know, we can be quite traditional in our approach to marketing. So what yeah. what, are you, what are you thinking there? What do you think the possibilities are? I think for me, it's all about experiences, right? The hospitality industry is all about creating great experiences that mm-hmm. people remember. And what uh, the metaverse and all of these technologies allow you to do is to create an even better, more immersive, more you know, exciting experience. So uh, the way I see it evolving is using these things to create an experience that people will remember and really, uh, you know, latch on to and, mm. uh, and be excited about. So whether, because if you're a restaurant operator, it's hard to, you know, work with something like, how do I do food in the metaverse? But you don't have to. What you can do is, you know, we're going back to the old days of Heston Blumenthal and putting headphones when people are eating to create an immersive experience of being mm. at the beach while you're eating something that's 
uh, inspired by the seaside. Mm. You can do exactly the same thing with headsets. So you can take people somewhere completely different while they're eating and really just um, indulge their senses and um, exacerbate that experience of being somewhere else doing something different. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's one of the exciting uses that um, the, this technology will potentially have in the future once the prices of the technology go down a bit because the barrier for entry is still fairly high. You know, these headsets aren't cheap. Uh, so as you said, you don't have massive budgets to start investing in, if you are a 40 cover restaurant, 40 mm. headsets so that each of your uh, patrons will have one uh, to sit and eat with a headset on. And you probably don't want to do it for the whole meal either. You probably want to do it maybe for a few elements of it yeah. uh, just to create that um, you know, point of difference. Uh, so that's just one thing that uh, I guess uh, I can see happening in the future. Mm. Um, and the other thing is, as I said, just using the technology such as NFTs for ticketing, uh, for events or for um, uh, anything uh, to do with, uh, I mean, the hospitality industry loves an event whether it's a, a conference or yeah. an actual event where you, you sell tickets to an experience and you can use uh, NFTs for that as well. So there's a number of things that can happen. But as I said, mm. uh, because it's still quite complicated to navigate the mm. opening up your wallet and adding some currency to it and then having all of those things connected until the technology becomes a lot more accessible, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be as widely um, adopted. Uh, I was reading a stat not that long ago that uh, there are about, um, it's only like 0.1% of the, the population that actually has any crypto that owns an NFT. So, yeah. and the population that owns crypto is only about less than 10% of the world's population. So mm. we're talking about uh, very small numbers that mm -hmm. are really into this at the moment. But yeah. again, every technology starts small and then expands. So yeah. um, we're early days. I, I, I joke with my colleagues that we're in the Netscape uh, Alta Vista days yeah. of <laughs> Web3. Um, yeah, yeah. So if you're old enough to remember, uh, we're talking GeoCities websites with MIDI music in the background. Yeah. This is where we're at at the moment yeah. with Web3 stuff. Mm. Um, so there's still, before it becomes the norm and what everyone sees and talks about, it'll be another 10 years or so. Yeah, I need to update my references. I always talk about the Betamax step, which is just, you know, before VHS. So yeah. I need to, I need to sort of look at that. Another yeah. thing I was, I was presenting this stuff the other week and something I was really excited about was the opportunity to open lots of new venues. Yeah. And experiment, you know, so if you're a nightclub owner or if you're, um, you know, QSR or your street food or, you know, within all of these worlds, there's going to be like real estate opportunities are going to be trading opportunities and Absolutely, you know yeah. I'm, I'm so excited about the possibilities for that yeah. you know and, yeah, and yeah. seeing the first brands to go and do that I guess you know it could be cost prohibitive I have no idea how you find an engineer yeah. at the moment that can it is. do this you know at the moment it is cost prohibitive to be fair it's very easy for example for you you can do it now and you can go into Roblox and you can it's free Absolutely free. Uh, you yeah. don't even need a VR headset. You can do it on your desktop or laptop. You can go into Roblox. You can create your own little virtual restaurant and anyone who is on Roblox can access it and you can send mm. the link around. So you can do that for free now and you don't need to be mm. a programmer or a designer to do it. I mean, if a six-year-old child can do it, then yeah. obviously anyone with a bit of time and effort can do it as well. Um, but the more, I suppose... The ones that hit the, the headline news, things like mm. McDonald's talking about virtual restaurants, uh, those will be in worlds like Horizon Worlds or Decentraland, which are the more 3D, go in, experience it mm -hmm. sort of place. And those land and those can be quite expensive and building something that looks cool and that will require some technical knowledge. Um, so, so that will probably be, again, uh, not something that everyone will, will have the opportunity to do. Yeah. But still, as you say, it's worth experimenting. And that's what we always say to people. You know, have a look at the low 
barrier for entry options that are already out there. Anything from Minecraft to Roblox to um, Decentraland, which you can go in for free and explore as well. Mm -hmm. Have a look around, you know, play with it, because the best way to get familiar with it and lose any sort of um, fear or, or reservations you have is just to go and explore. And if yeah. you have children, you're probably already familiar with these things because almost every child out there uses Minecraft or Roblox. It's, you know, so pervasive within yeah. that generation. Uh, it's just that we haven't really necessarily uh, explored it fully yet. But there's loads you can do already. Yeah. Um, and certainly experiment with things is what we recommend to everyone and to our clients as well. Just go in, have a play, have a look around, uh, read about it. Um, but the best way to really get your head around it is to go in and experiment with it. Yeah. And I think it's a great show, which is, you know, be a practitioner yourself, you know, yeah. and, and get stuck in because you're, you're never going to know the possibilities. Um, and then Ro Roblox, is it coming to like horizons in some way or the metaverse in some way because I couldn't see it on the apps. It's not there for yet. Example. But yeah. Um, it's not there yet, but I'm sure it's just a matter of time. Uh, yeah. because I'm again, asking for a nine year old child. Yeah. Who was very course. upset. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it I'm sure it'll be uh, coming very soon. And it might be the case that it might not be on, on Meta's Mm. Uh, ecosystem yet, but it will be on someone's ecosystem for sure yeah, once yeah. the technology is is out there. Nice. Okay, well, I was going to say a couple of last questions because I've had you for so yep. long and also you very kindly helped me set up for half an hour before it's and right. uh, you've, you've got a holiday to be having. So um, a couple of things where I was, I was thinking about, you know, just, you know, what's next for, for you guys at Battenhall. So mm -hmm. long time fan of you anyway and um, I work very closely with Alison at Avocado Social yeah. and you know she's always you know really raving about you know all of you and, and the great reports that you have so when's the uh, social media trends report is that out already can people access that? Yeah, so we did social media trends presentations uh, at the end of last year, so around end of November, beginning of December. Mm -hmm. uh, and together with that, we released a Instagram 100 brands report. Uh, we will actually be doing more. We have uh, some other reports lined up uh, for the next for the coming months, but mm -hmm. uh, you can already download the Instagram 100 brands report for sure. Um, and uh, we are definitely looking into doing more um, in this metaverse space as well. So we're going to be probably doing some analysis and looking into how we can uh, share what we've been learning with everyone out there as well. Brilliant. Um, what I'll do is I'll get those links off you and I'll put them in the podcast notes if um, if anyone wants to sort of check out some more information yeah, and sure. um, you know sort of connect with you and things like that. Yeah. Um, so the last sort of main question before a wee bit of fun is just talking about um, you know what you're seeing over the next year do you think you know you what do you predict sort of going to happen you know that would be helpful to to brand people and, and marketing people in hospitality but also outside of that too yeah um i think as i said um the, this metaverse stuff that we're talking about is still very incipient. So we are mm. in the early days. So I was actually attending a webinar about it uh, the other day and they had a quote which stuck with me and is what I'm going to share with you now and the audience, which is um, don't rush, but walk at pace. Mm. So essentially you don't have to rush into it and try to be in this space yet, but, it's very important to know what's going on. So yeah. as I said, uh, make sure that you're informed, uh, read about it, uh, but read beyond just the, you know, clickbaity headlines, really do your research, uh, make sure you are uh, aware of what other brands are doing. There's a lot happening uh, in the metaverse across several different categories uh, here. So um, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. And uh, you don't have to be the first to do something mm -hmm. uh, if you want to do it well, but you need to be aware of what others are doing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing is just really explore and play with it because it is good fun. And uh, a lot of it is still very glitchy and looks weird and you probably won't get it straight away. Mm -hmm. But 
talk to kids, talk to people who actually uh, are interested in that sort of thing and see how they see it because your your opinions of it might actually change. Uh, if you think about how much time kids spend on things like Roblox, uh, you can tell that it's not going to be long before uh, these, you know, virtual worlds will will take over. And it's not a new Whoa. thing because we've had them even from the early days of The Sims uh, back yeah. in the day. Yeah. You know, it was already kind of like this or SimCity and... and, and Second Life as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, Second huge. Life was in 2006. So yeah. we're talking over 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there is definitely... Uh, none of it is new. Uh, it's just evolving quite rapidly now. Mm. So it's important that you are aware of what's going on and just keep track of 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 all the new developments so uh that's what i recommend just keep an eye on it uh play with it experiment uh don't be afraid uh and you know everyone will look a bit silly when they start because it is a, a bit of a learning yeah. curve uh, for all of us but uh it can be great fun and uh i definitely think again i don't think we can avoid it because it is going to happen whether you want it or not right mm -hmm. um it's one of those uh just certainties the technology is moving so fast and we're all going in that direction um mm. and social media is already part of that right so yeah. uh for us uh it's important to make sure that um we are aware of what's going on so that we can keep um you know, people informed and our clients uh, mm. at the, the forefront of what's to come. Yeah, it was funny. I was in a cab the other day, yesterday, and I was talking to the cabbie about this, and he was a bit older, and he was like, oh, mate, he's like, oh, stay away from that. It's all, you know, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. You know, he's going, yeah. oh, it's, it's a, you know, don't go down that. It's a, you know, dark place to be going. And it was like, what have you been reading? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> and I, I so said, it's the same saying, people who the same people who probably said the same about Instagram, you know. Yeah, or the internet ago. in general. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, I said to him, "Do you use the internet and social?" Oh, yeah. And I was like, "You're just a couple of you're just a couple of uh, you know sort of weeks away from or you know sort of getting into it." So yeah, exactly. Right. So a couple of fun questions then. So um, mm -hmm. I saw you were out having fun at Blacklock. Um, as well, so that looked great at uh, Covent yep. Garden, so it was enjoyable, it, looked, it was good It was amazing, yes, so um, they are opening a new restaurant in Covent Garden uh, and they had the soft opening uh, this past Sorry, lost you there for a sec It's always helpful It's okay Um so, no, that was great fun. So I had a blast. Uh, great food, nice location, uh, right in the middle of things in Covent Garden. Uh, service was great as well. And we had a discount on the food, which was awesome. So which is yeah, always I, good. I rolled out of there for sure. It's helpful. <coughs> that's cool. A, a, a bit too many cocktails as well were had, but that's to be expected. Yeah, well, I've never had cocktails there. Are they good? Good cocktails? Oh, they do the best Bloody Mary with beef Has chew. It? Oh, Like, okay. I never actually thought that Bloody Marys would actually be improved with uh, meat in them, but believe me, they are. Great. Well, I'm going to have a look at that. So, I was going to ask you, I mean, this might cross over with some of the things you're saying, but yeah. what do you think, it's a wee thing called Mark Out of 10 that we do, and we, we just talk about, you know, what's best, what, what your likes are. So... What's the best city to eat in, do you think? Oh, uh, good question. Um, I'm not sure. I think... Can we go back? Can we ask the question again? Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, so the, the best city to eat in. So... Um... It's hard to pick one. Uh, I used to travel a lot for work before um, mm. uh, my current uh, job. But I think um, there are a few obvious ones. Um, anywhere where there's good street food. So if you think Thailand, uh, so Bangkok, uh, mm. places like that. Copenhagen is an amazing mm. city to eat in. Uh, Obviously, they have a lot of really nice high-end restaurants, but even the, you know, run-of-the-mill stuff is good. They're just really mm -hmm. passionate about food. 
I'm originally from Brazil, so I'm biased. Uh, <laughs> I do think that, you know, Brazil has some amazing places to eat as well. Um, and then I'm a big fan of Japanese food as well. So Tokyo yeah. uh, is also spectacular for food generally. Um, but as I said, I'm yet to meet or go to a city where I don't enjoy eating in. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it, that's why it's a hard question because, you know, how can you not mention a, a city in Italy, for example, for good yeah. food uh, or France or yeah, anywhere? Um, and of course, you have places like London and New York where you can essentially eat food from anywhere in mm. the world. So, yeah, um, as long as you're eating nice food, wherever, wherever you are is a good place. Yeah. And then what about your favorite restaurant? Have you got a number one restaurant that you just love? Oh, um, so um, I don't have a favorite restaurant. I have several in London. Uh, I think probably one of my favorites is uh, Core by Claire Smith. Yep. Um, it's absolutely spectacular. I mm. recently went, uh, by recently I mean last month, to Endo at the Rotunda as well, right. which is in the old... Uh, BBC Television Centre in uh -huh. White City, uh, uh -huh. and that was an experience. It was uh -huh. absolutely spectacular as well. Um, and the other one I went to last year, which was also brilliant, and I'm a bit biased there because the chef is Brazilian, is Da Terra, which is in okay. the Bethnal Green Town Hall, where Viajante oh, used I to know. be. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's beautiful it's uh again the food is uh very typical brazilian but elevated to michelin star standards and it's mm. spectacular as well i use the word spectacular a lot for food <laughs> as you can tell but uh, those places are all like i can recommend all of them with my eyes closed great that's cool and have you got a favorite dish like a number one thing you know if, that you would want to eat i'm a bit partial to a nice steak uh, uh -huh. so uh, as long as it's a really nice piece of meat uh, that is cooked well uh, and well seasoned I'm happy so that will probably be my uh, dish to have before I die sort of thing nice is that is there a particular cut of steak you like more than another or mm, quite happy I'm I'm happy I'm easy but I do like a ribeye because um, mm -hmm. I like a little bit of of flavor, so that mm -hmm. extra little bit of fat normally helps. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's it. Nice favorite drink, alcoholic. Oh, drink. Alcoholic, um, I think I'm I'm partial to a beer, so I'm easy with beers. But I also I used to work with whiskey, so uh, it's hard not to say whiskey uh, as well. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, probably will be beer or whiskey, depending. You got on a favorite beer? Um, IPAs generally, uh, uh -huh. I tend to prefer. Uh, I think from the UK, uh, Cloudwater, Thornbridge, uh, mm -hmm. North Brewing—they do some great ones. Yeah, no, for sure, definitely. Um, and then last question is: Who would you be taking um, to this great meal? You know, the next, the next great meal. So celebrity. Someone that's alive or dead or non celebrity Oh, it's Valentine's Day, so obviously my boyfriend, right? <laughs> yeah, good answer. Yeah. Of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah, absolutely. It's the right thing to do. Are you going yeah. out? Are you going out tonight? You got a dinner no, planned? No, no. The, the Blacklock meal was our uh, that Valentine's, was Valentine's Day. Exactly. Yeah. No, not going out tonight. Very good. Excellent. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time and your new friendship as well and, and helping us with Hospitality Rising. We just can't believe that you're on board helping us with some of the time. It's just worthwhile talking about that for Batten Hall, though, just to see how kind they are in terms of, you know, to, to work for with their time. So it might be worth just a mention on that if you want. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, at Batten Hall, we have something called 20% time. So essentially you have 20% of your time, which is a day a week, essentially, uh, mm. that you can dedicate to anything you want, anything from uh, charity work, uh, passion projects, learning, whatever. So um some of that is being used with these metaverse explorations, for example, but some of it is used uh, by different people in the team 
to work on things that they are excited about. And that's why I'm helping out with Hospitality Rising. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing it. We really appreciate it. And hopefully we can raise enough to to start start to solve this recruitment crisis. So, yeah, fingers Absolutely. crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. It's so funny. Just as I'm talking to you, there's police sirens, a helicopter, etc., etc., and I'm looking out the window of this meeting room to try and see them, but obviously it's in the real world out there. No, in and I can't hear any of it. So the the headset does a good job of of yeah, filtering that out. <laughs> Great. Well, Nicole, thank you so much. Have a brilliant Valentine's Day, and I'll catch up with you soon. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. So there we go, it's changed my life forever and hopefully maybe giving you a flavour of what's coming down the track for you, the world and also your role in marketing ops, whatever it is that you do. Thanks so much to Nicole for giving up her time, especially on Valentine's Day and also when she's got a day off, so that's double points for that. Thanks so much Nicole and I'm so glad to meet you and start our friendship. Thanks so much to you for listening. I'm really excited and buoyed by the numbers that are coming through from the listenership. So it really does seem to be growing every single week. So thank you so much to everyone that's introducing the show to someone new. Thanks so much to our new sponsor, Tipjar, for jumping on board to help us with the rest of the series. I'm really excited to have you on board. I think your product is a billion dollar product and I'm so excited to see what we can do together. Huge thanks also to the boys that designed Tipjar and all of the branding, and that is the legendary Saved by Robots based in Glasgow, Paris, and yeah, you want to see Peckham or something like that, but yeah, just Glasgow and Paris. Thanks for everything you do, boys, for me, for Hospitality Rising, and for the hospitality industry in general. Thanks to Gaz and Gabby. I know it was a mind bender this week in terms of audio and video and all these things, but thanks so much for helping me put the show together. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you. Thanks for listening. And I hope that this episode has brought you some value, insight, and information that you need to help your brand boom. Boom.